I just looked over the notes and everything, and that sounds great. I made sure that I could pronounce everybody's name for the <laughs> people that I have to talk about. Because <laughs> apparently we get people all butthurt about it if I pronounce Luc Besson. Did you wrong. see my response email? <laughs> yeah, I saw your little response email <laughs> throwing me under the bus. <laughs> Hey, I thought about calling you out midstream, but I was like, that's kind of mean and pretentious. Well, if he did that, then we wouldn't get a correction, probably, because they wouldn't. They'd be like, Kendrick already did it. I don't have to send them an email. Uh. <laughs> get together, have a few laughs. Uh oh, shit, lady, do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? Lady, put the freaking gun down on the ground right now. Take your shot across the freaking street and say that until we come and get you. Hello, and welcome to Where There's a Willis, There's a Way, a film podcast about the multitude of works by Bruce Willis. My name is Josh Carter. And I'm Kendrick Martin. Today, we will be covering The Jackal, directed by Michael Caton Jones, based on the 1973 Day of the Jackal, written by Kenneth Ross. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, what we do here is an in-depth breakdown of a movie starring Bruce Willis both from a film perspective and his individual contribution. We add the movie to our rankings, we talk trivia, and we do The Wheel of Willis. You can find all of our previous episodes at williswaypod.com. Find other podcasts in the Last of the Action Heroes podcast network over at lastoftheactionheroes.com. Please remember to rate and review us on iTunes. Tell your friends, your cats your recently adopted puppy and uh, your cat's friends and your dog's friends because everybody loves Bruce. Before we jump into talking about this movie, The Jackal, uh, we want to give you a kind of an early warning here on if it's worth watching. So what we have devised here at Where There's a Willis, There's a Way headquarters is the patented Bruce Willis ranking system where we rank a movie, we rate a movie, a Bruce Willis out of a Bruce Willis. So, Joshua, Mm -hmm. what would you rate The Jackal? So, I should say before we start it, I'm a a pretty pretty big Sidney Poitier fan. I uh, have only watched a few of his films, but I've liked everything that he is in. Until now. So I'm going to give this a B out of Bruce Willis. Wow, really? The lowest rating possible? No, 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 no. Because we can get into Waltz. We can get into sub, oh. sub Bruce. Like, it's yeah. not like zero is like 32 is freezing, but it gets below freezing. <laughs> so this movie is just above freezing. All right. Me. All right. Get, quit Americanizing our ranking system. <laughs> We'll have metric Bruce Willis's by the end of this. Uh, that's interesting. I knew, so as is our way, we don't look up any information on these movies beforehand. I don't think you do. I, I don't. But yeah. I had heard that this was fairly poorly rated. So I went in with low expectations, but I actually enjoyed it way more than I thought I was going to. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's strictly in the action hero realm of movies so take that with a grain of salt but i think it was fun uh i don't know if i would recommend people watch it but i think it was pretty fun so i was going to give it just a straight bruce a full bruce wow full bruce 
Wow. Not that it's comparable to other things as we've already established, but you're putting it about on the same uh, plane for you as uh, striking distances. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. I'm kind of excited to hash out the differences that we have in this movie because it's probably going to be like stuff where it's just going to be down to taste. I don't think that there's going to be something that I saw in the movie where you're like, oh, that's true. Let me take away four letters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So this episode's coming out kind of late this week. Uh, we had some some different stuff going on, but how are you doing, Josh? How's life? I'm I'm okay. I'm getting a little bit under the weather. We were originally going to do this episode in person, and I had to text Kendrick and go, yeah, I'm, I'm not actually feeling up for it, and I am just so busy. Have some family drama stuff going on that I'm not really going to get into, and then the um, uh, just started moving as well, or finished up moving, I should say. So last time, or last week when we released an episode, I was in a different house and now I am here and had to go through like the whole cleaning checklist of everything and all that stuff. And it was a busy few days. And then today I woke up, was feeling under the weather, went over to the other house, cleaned for a while. Then I got confirmation that I could go buy this graphics card that I've been trying to hunt down. So I went all the way to downtown Portland and bought it. Drove all the way back, watched a Bruce Willis movie, and now we are recording this episode. So it has been a busy day, and it's been a busy week for me. Um, so yeah, it's it's been a lot, but I'm excited now that I've got a new place, and then I'll get the setup fully fully operational. Um, today it's kind of just temporary setup, and then we'll go from there. But tell me about you, Kendrick. I know you have a new addition to uh to your family unit right now right that is correct the martin family has grown because we have got a puppy recently uh so we my wife and i have been talking about getting a dog for a long time and we have cats and so kind of the stipulation was we needed to get a puppy so that the cats could kind of train the puppy how to deal with cats because almost all adult dogs that you find at the shelter have a kind of note that's like, will not do well with other animals. So please don't, please don't adopt them if you have other animals. So we kept, we were looking for a puppy and normally pre COVID the process would be, you would go into the um, humane society and they would have puppies everywhere and you'd play with them and you'd see them and you'd, do the the intake process and you'd decide, you know, we want this, we want this dog. We don't want this dog. And then you'd go home. Well, because of COVID that process is non-existent. So what happens is you go on their website and they'll post dogs as they get them. And you fill out a form every time you see a puppy you're interested in. And then if you're first on the list, they'll call you. And if you don't answer your phone, they just go to the next person on the list so we had done this several oh, times wow. over the last few months, kind of off and on. Um, we kind of had specific dog breeds in mind that we wanted, something that would be energetic enough to be active, but not overly energetic that, uh, you know, we have a house and a yard, but we also work all day. So we needed to kind of hang out in the house throughout the day, but still something, you know, you could go take outdoors and, and do stuff with. 
So we had been applying off and on different different dogs over the last probably month, month and a half. And finally, they, they got a hold of us. And I didn't know the whole um, time crunch process when we signed up because they basically are like, fill out this form and we'll call you. And so we just assumed we had never made it to the list. And then they finally were like, you've been selected. You will, we will call you tomorrow at 12, 12, you know, 12 noon. And if you don't answer, we'll move on. And we were like, Oh my gosh. So, uh, it was this whole dramatic process because I was the one who they were going to call. And I had to make sure that like my phone was allowing unknown numbers to call me. They called, it was like a, probably an hour long screen where they make sure that, you know, you're not a dog, uh, a dog madman, and I'm not going to start a roving band of dogs around North Portland um, <laughs> of, of different breeds. They they want the roving bands to all be the same breed, essentially. So yeah, that's, that that's, that's the major thing they screen. And then they're like, okay, so you've passed the screen. Uh, if you're interested, you need to come tomorrow, and you can see the dog for like an hour, and then you have to take it home if you want it. And we were like, oh... So we had, you know, plans and everything. We just had to cancel our plans and go to the Humane Society. And then we're like, well, we like this dog. I guess we're getting this dog. So away we went. Wow. So it's like, you get a dog. Here's your dog. It's not like, (laughs) come and pick him up in a week or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah. Wow. So pretty intense. I was was scrambling. I've never had a dog before. Um, So... Oh yeah, I've, you know, known a lot of people with dogs and taken care of a lot of dogs of other people's, but never like spent day in day out with a dog for, especially not a puppy. So, yeah, puppies can be a lot sometimes. Yes, they can. Yes, maybe they we can. should do like a puppy update during mm. some of these episodes, and yeah, we could do a pupcast. A pupcast <laughs> is that an actual thing? Oh, I don't know. Patent pending. Pupcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Patent pending pupcast. Uh <laughs> I used to work at a at an office and this office had it was like a, a technology company and this office had kind of t- TVs all over and they would show like dashboards of different metrics and stuff that the technology company was working on. Well, one group decided to change what their their TV showed and instead switched it to this um like cat live stream because there was some place in russia or something that just had a uh like a huge cat house and there would be these cameras all over (laughs) and so you just go to that their part of the office and they'd just be watching like 24 hours of cats (laughs) oh man office jobs don't even seem real sometimes yeah you're telling me you're telling me speaking of office jobs we did get one email that i've been saving for you josh Yep. Uh, do you want to read this email from Nathan? Yeah, sure. So Nathan sends in an email and the, <laughs> the you know, header subject line just says, you fools. And it is reads as follows. Repent. You haven't received emails for making mistakes, and then immediately after you print... Blah, blah, blah. 
We're going to get more emails if I don't say this right. You haven't received emails for making mistakes, and then immediately after, you mispronounce Lukpasan... Oh, fuck, I did it again. <laughs> You've pronounced Lukpasan's name as Luck, not Luke. Wait, is it Luck? Or is it Luke? It's Luke. It is Luke? Yeah, you not you you pronounce it as luck. Yes, I pronounce it as luck, but then Nathan says in this email not look. Yeah, look. It's if you say Luke in a with a French accent, it's it's look. And you'll mispronounce look. I don't know. I don't know. I think I'm going to have to send a correction email back about this one. <laughs> But anyways, uh, he uh, he says, you mispronounce Luke Bassan's name as luck, not look. Ignoring the French, you utter walruses. I'm actually curious if it if it is Luke or uh, look, Luke, look. I don't know. I don't even, I'm, I've said it too many times. I don't even <laughs> I know. know. It's like that one thing where if you say oatmeal enough times, it starts, sound, starts to not sound like a real word anymore. That's what I feel like we've uh, run into. Josh, no one says oatmeal like more than once. (laughs) Unless it's like, hey, if you say your favorite food 50 times in a row, you'll get it. And then someone's favorite food is oatmeal. Uh, I don't know. You live in like a weird, you must go to weird restaurants. (laughs) No, it's just a regular old Portland restaurant. (laughs) Mm, where you That'd have be to a say, weird restaurant in any other state, but in Portland, that's just what we call a restaurant. You have to say the food 50 times and to get it? Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Um, another thing of note that happened recently that I wanted to call out was we had Richard Donner die um, a few since we've last recorded. He was famous in Hollywood um, for basically being a filmmaker he was kind of like the action star filmmaker he was um famous for a whole bunch of movies the superman movies the lethal weapon movies he worked on some of the x-men movies he worked on a bunch of tv shows uh so he's worked on a lot of stuff particularly action heroes action hero movies and i um i looked and he did one bruce willis movie 16 blocks which is still a ways away, but uh, wanted to give a give a shout out there. A little bit of news that happened since we last recorded. Yeah, R.I.P. Richard Donner, the only person who had directed a good Superman movie. Wow, uh, you are correct. <laughs> so, I mean, like <laughs> Superman is hard to write for. That's that's a big part of the problem. <laughs> yeah. As we've seen by the inability to write good Superman stories. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We're not a superhero cast. We are not. All right. If you guys ever want to reach out to us and tell us how to pronounce uh, uh, (laughs) Luck Besson's name, send us an email over at williswaypod at gmail.com. You can also tweet at us at williswaypod or send us an Instagram message over at williswaypod. You could also look us up on TikTok. We're not on there, but you could look us up. And and the more you look up things that don't exist, the better chance that the algorithm will work. <laughs> it 
I don't have a TikTok that I actively use, but Kendrick, are you on Bruce Willis TikTok? Is that a thing? No. Oh, that's kind of a shame, actually. Maybe if I went on there and I just looked up Bruce Willis things and just liked Bruce Willis things, after a while, my For You page would just be entirely Bruce oh, Willis related yeah. memes. Yeah. That'd be wonderful. I actually made a handful of TikToks that were just me saying uh, Bitcoin mumbo jumbo just to see what would happen. And a lot of people, like, I think thought it was legitimate because I kept getting thumbs up on it. So, <laughs> like, Bitcoin mumbo jumbo, like, you're like, oh, looks like Bitcoin's about to hit a speed bump coming up, but then they're going to have a <laughs> 16 blocks Richard Donner right after that. So, no, you know, look out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We got 16 blockchains on the old. Uh, <laughs> No, it was just me me saying, like, synergize your earnings by emphasizing the <laughs> crypto. I don't know. It was just that over and over again. Oh, that's wonderful. TikTok's weird, man. TikTok's weird. TikTok is weird. Um, speaking of weird, you can also look us up on the old Facebook. Um, the old weirdo Facebook page. Um, We're on there with a fine group of friends and we've got a little network called last of the action heroes podcast network you can go on there and follow a uh, Dolph Lundgren podcast you can follow a podcast on Arnold Schwarzenegger um, podcasts on Rocky movies drunk people going through Bond movies there's a lot of different things on there so come check us out now we're going to get into the jackal Oh my god, I forgot about his mustache. <laughs> I know, I did too. <laughs> Can you kill this person? Yes. How much? 70 million. Done. They call him the Jackal. We've never been able to prove if he even exists. He operates in secret. No KGB member has ever seen him. In shadow. CIA can't track him. In silence. Do we know if he ever operated in the U.S.? And his target. He's going for the gold. Has only one chance. Declan Mulqueen, IRA sharpshooter. He might know what he looks like. What will it take for you to help us? You'd have to let me go. Back to Ireland. Free man. We know the Jackal flew to Washington 11 days ago. Right now, you got a name. That's all you got. Police are asking. He knows all your moves back to front. This is an FBI access code. You can send up 100 bullets before the first one ever hits the target. Go now. We'll send you back to prison. Remember, public and brutal. Bruce Willis, Richard Gere, Sidney Poitier. That audio was from the trailer of The Jackal. I'm going to go ahead and read the description from IMDb. An imprisoned IRA fighter is freed to help stop a brutal, seemingly quote-unquote faceless assassin from completing his next job. And you can find this movie on Hulu and video on demand. However, I would never demand this movie again. Kendrick, what about you? What are, what are your overall thoughts on this movie? So, this movie is not good. Uh, <laughs> let's just let's just put that out there. You know, 
I was thinking as we started this, we haven't had an action hero Bruce Willis movie in a while. Uh, you know, we had some science fiction, we had some other stuff, we did Moonlighting. So I feel like it's been a while since we've actually done s- something that is just like silly action. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe I was just kind of looking for that. And this definitely fits that, uh, you know, fills that void in my in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a lot to not like. Although uh, there's there's some to like. So I'll talk about what I did like. Um, the Richard Gear, as bad as his accent is, I thought he was still a fun character to watch. <laughs> yeah, um, he gave like a really decent performance, but his accent is so bad. Yeah. I think he won or was nominated for a stinker's uh worst movie award oh good uh, for that accent though it's like worst accent or something like that um, yeah i mean like I even if you have to make up an award to give him for that accent please yeah. do so yeah um i i i it did this movie is not campy in any way uh it doesn't it doesn't have any level of camp i would say but yeah. it does have kind of a a ridiculousness to it and i think that is a pro and a con so this movie is is fairly straightforward there's um these russian mobsters who hire an assassin to kill someone in america and we're led to believe that it is the head of the uh fbi cia one of the something i don't Um, know and, they, and that assassin is Bruce Willis, and he's kind of like the number one assassin, and the FBI gets wind of this, and so they start putting together a, a task force to, to take down Bruce Willis, and Sidney Poitier is leading the task force, and it involves like finding this IRA fighter, which is Richard Gere, and then uh, there's a Russian... Um, I don't know what her official title is. She's basically like XKGB or something. She works for the Russian government, but she's helping the FBI track down Bruce Willis. Um, yeah. You got her. And then there's just this series of ridiculous moments as Bruce Willis travels from Europe to America of him changing out costumes and swapping out vehicles getting weapons meeting up with people getting like things for this uh elaborate getting like fake passports made yeah yeah extremely elaborate series of things like meeting up with all these contacts like he's he they're the movie could have easily just skipped straight to him in america i don't think anyone would have blatted an eye at someone sneaking into America, but it took great lengths to tell you the story of how he snuck into America. And that's actually probably most of the movie, uh, because it spends, it uses that time to kind of build out the backstory of the Americans. Yeah. Um, Although it doesn't do it as well as it could, because like half of the scenes that show the agency, I don't even know which agency it is. So I'm just going to refer to it as the agency from now on. Mm -hmm. Um, But, like, half the scenes that show them, it's just them going, like, Richard Gere being, like, this Bruce Willis character, he's a a big bad guy and he knows how to do bad guy things. And it'll show Bruce Willis doing something just really mundane, like, 
some sort of transaction or whatever. And then he'll go back and he's like, he knows how to do all sorts of horrible things. And I'll show him just doing another little transaction in a different wig. And he's like, he's a terrible, deadly assassin. And then I'll show Bruce Willis like buying yeah. a van. And you're yeah. like, God, yeah. this is and 40 minutes of movie. What am I watching? Yeah. And he and he and and Bruce Willis goes through Canada to get to America. So the, yeah. <laughs> for the for the first chunk of the movie, he's in Canada and he's leaning into his Canadian alias with the accent. Oh and yeah. He's, He's wearing like uh, a polo shirt and bad wig and a hat, and he's at a, you know at a car dealer. It's all very silly. Uh, I don't know about you, but I wasn't sure if we were supposed to root for Bruce Willis or just think he was like a stone cold bad guy for the first good chunk of this movie mm-hmm. because of I think that purpose. Yeah, so I kind of felt the same way, and as I was watching it, I kept being like. This feels kind of like the um, the Terminator series in a way where they're engineered or trained to be a total blend in with society toward, s- sort of assassin. And the thrill is obviously not watching them do all the transactional things. But this movie doesn't seem to understand that. And mm. they, they show all that stuff like... I'm fine with you showing little snippets of it, but just show like three things in a row and then just leave Bruce Willis off of the screen for like 30 minutes. And they Mm -hmm. also have like cracking jokes and stuff like that. And you really didn't need to see all that. I feel like you got way too much scenes with Bruce Willis, but they aren't like telling you anything important about the plot. They aren't telling you anything important about the character. They're just like little transactional scenes that could have been explained in like a a line even just like oh i got a car a gun into this at whatever the end you don't have to show that i want they wanted to show like all this spycraft stuff but there was no one really tracking him at the time so he's just doing this spycraft stuff for no reason yeah and then you cut back to the, the american group of people and they're just kind of sitting around a picnic table being like hmm i wonder yeah Yeah, so this movie is kind of an odd movie in that I feel like if it was edited better, it would be up there with the other action movies that we've covered on this thing. Like, I would even put it in the range of, like, Striking Distance and um, The the Last Boy Scout um, and, like, Last Man Standing, kind of in that, like, range. But I just did not like it because the first half of this movie... And probably even the first two thirds of this movie is just like exceedingly boring. And it seems like even Sidney Poitier is like bored out of his mind doing this movie. He gives a fine enough performance, but this is such a nothing movie. Like you have very bare bones motivations for all the characters, very bare bones establishments of what they care about and what their personality is like. So, yeah, I, I just I, I didn't I didn't really vibe with this movie much at all. Like the end sequence was OK, but I don't think it was worth the price of admission of having to watch the first two thirds of the slog. Yeah, I what's I don't know. It's weird because normally I would be completely in your camp, but I just found myself really enjoying the ridiculousness of it. And I hadn't I was left 
in the dark for every twist and turn. And this movie gives you a bunch of ridiculous twists and turns for no reason. But I was kind of like, ooh, I wonder what they're going to do. And then I was like, oh, that's weird. He sneaks into the America from Canada by getting in the regatta that rolls into Chicago. And uh, Roger Ebert in his review was like, every viewer can think of an easier way to sneak into America than that. Like (laughs) there's no reason for him to do what he does. And it's not as if he's playing, you know, 3d chess and, and there's a reason for it. It's just ridiculousness. But I was kind of like, what's going to happen the whole time. So I I found that interesting and it it captivated my attention. Also, also I was surprised that I didn't, I, I never really felt bored watching this. Normally I, I don't like it when a movie wastes my time and, this movie definitely can be accused of that, but I found myself pretty invested. Um, uh, what did you think about the Jack Black character? <laughs> I, I I thought that he was kind of a a bit. I don't know. He was fine. It was, it was that that whole sequence was dumb. I'm not going to be very kind to this movie. And I thought Jack Black was all right in this, but it, like everybody could have skipped out on this movie and been fine. So Jack Black builds this device for Bruce Willis, and you're not exactly told as to what he's doing, uh-huh. but you know that. As soon as he like tries to get more money out of Bruce Willis, you're like, "Well, this is not going to go good." Yeah, this guy's going like to die. Said, <laughs> we we hadn't at the time seen really Bruce Willis's character. I would say probably honestly, Bruce Willis was my least favorite of this movie because his performance was so weirdly vacant. But yeah. we can get to we can get to that in a little bit. But. Jack Black then is like, well, I made this thing for you, but I really want twice as much money. And Bruce Willis is like, well, all right, let's go test this gun. And I'm like, ah, yes, the classic test the gun scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he proceeds to utterly destroy Jack Black in quite a gruesome scene. And I was like, oh, well, we definitely know who's the bad guy here. Yeah. Yeah, because... You could have believed that Bruce Willis was like a double agent or something up until that moment. And then you're like, or just like oh. a guy doing a job or yeah, just, but no, he, he was out for, out for vengeance. And then as the, from there, the movie takes a sharp turn into Bruce Willis, uh, being the bad guy. And I think you're right. If we had seen less of Bruce Willis and just stuck with Richard Gere the whole time, the suspense of what is he going to do? would have been there the whole time. So the yeah. after after we see this kind of intensity build with him killing Jack Black, the rest of the movie is mostly from the American's perspective and Bruce Willis starts kind of taking him out one by one. Um, another cast member in this that I thought was kind of silly was J.K. Simmons plays the by the book uh, agent oh, yeah. and named Witherspoon. Ugh. And uh, he's the reason that a lot of people get killed, but his Ugh. performance was. Uh, I wasn't ever quite sure as to what what he was doing, but it literally felt like this movie was filmed, and they're like, "All right, let's see if we can get it in one or two takes. Go!" <laughs> <laughs> like everybody goes, "Okay," or it feels like they took a billion takes and then they took the last take. 
and then this mm. is what it is. And everybody it took a billion takes, but dead. they kept filming over the tape every time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like that idea. Um, yeah, and I also just did not like how this movie was just explaining that Bruce Willis was the bad guy. And they're like, he's a bad guy. He does bad guy things. And then he, like, the way that he kills people, up until he kills Jack Black, the way that he kills a guy is he puts, like, car no touchy sauce on the back of his car. <laughs> and a guy touches it and goes, ah, and grabs his throat. <laughs> and then he dies. <laughs> yeah. What the hell? Yeah, so, okay, let's talk about that. That was... <laughs> Uh, what I was the coolest slash most annoying series of events for me. So, like I said, this movie uh, lives in kind of its spycraft moments for the for the good part of it, and we see Bruce Willis go to the lengths to uh, create a second identity, and he buys a uh, a minivan, and then he sprays, he puts this white paint on the minivan, <laughs> and then times himself washing it off. <laughs> because it goes from white to, to blue or black or whatever. And so you're watching him kind of settle this up and you're like, oh, it's going to be for a great getaway where he can do something. And everybody's like, we're on the lookout for a white van. And then, you know, 45 seconds later, he's a blue van and, and he'll be none the wiser. And then for some reason, nameless bad guys, which I wasn't ever sure who they were, just other gangsters. Oh, right. Cha- chase him into this parking garage and... He goes into the parking garage. He washes the paint off. The gangsters come down. They look at the car that's dripping wet with paint everywhere. They're like, oh, this must be it. And that's where he goes to the no touchy sauce, the one part of the car that he put the no touchy sauce on, and then falls over dead. And it's like, (laughs) this this wasn't used for anything cool. And it wasn't even, doesn't even make (laughs) sense because if you're trying to be undercover, you don't want to. You don't want like your headline of man died of no touchy sauce, <laughs> no suspects or like that's an obvious like red flag. And <laughs> I was so excited because I had, I had never seen someone have like erasable paint on a car and use that as like an easy getaway. Uh, I feel like nowadays you would just have some high tech like projected paint or something and just not have not have to deal with it but the the whole concept of him timing it to see how long it take and all that stuff i was like oh this is kind of cool and novel and then it was just completely wasted yeah it was uh very ridiculous because the bad guys the bad bad guys the i don't know yeah they just instantly were like oh that's the van and so it just was yeah. like that entire scene where he washes it off that entire scene where he like times himself it those two scenes just unnecessary completely yep. unnecessary yeah yeah um, this was also on uh siskel and ebert's worst movies of 1997 so you're not alone in your hate for it yeah yeah and i i have a hard time hating movies because i know that like people worked on it and they they did their best and they really did try even like well even like Beavis and Butthead, I don't hate that movie. I hate that that movie wasted my time, but I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to like go out hating on it. It doesn't do anything that is horribly offensive other than to my brain cells. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get after it, but God, this movie was so annoying. <laughs> so, so boring. And the, the part that I hated about this movie was that, I feel like this movie could have been fixed basically entirely in the editing room because 
you just you didn't need to to show a bunch of the first two thirds of this movie and you could have tightened that all up and then I think that it would have been a pretty passable movie. All right. Any further general thoughts on the Jackal before we move into our Star Trek connection? Yeah. So I had like a few different um, things that I wanted to shout out. Um, First off, one of the things that I loved in this movie was that apparently Richard Gere and Bruce Willis like never got to see each other because they share only two scenes in this entire movie, even though the the two main characters. Um, Because the assassin is always one step ahead of the assassin catchers. Um, Otherwise, you have no movie. And um, whenever Bruce Willis and uh, Richard Gere saw each other, they would apparently be like, hey, how's that movie going on that you're working on? (laughs) Like, pretty good. How about the movie that you're working on? Oh, you know, it's going good. And uh, that was it. But in uh, one of the sequences where they see each other, there is an amazing 1997 CGI train sequence, which was phenomenal. It was so bad. So, so bad. So I wanted to shout out that. I also wanted to shout out um, the, like, amazing green screen effect at the end of this movie when they're, like, looking over the top of a building to look down on this this uh, crowd that like this Bruce Willis character is going to potentially shoot into, and they look down and it's just a total green screen behind them, and they're they're like nothing is blended between the two of them. There's like really harsh edges, and the lighting is totally different on both. So I just love seeing like late '90s CGI, and you're just going, ooh, that's uh that's a little painful. <laughs> It's interesting you brought that up about uh, Richard Gere and Bruce Willis uh, because they were originally cast as the opposite roles, Mm -hmm. but neither of them wanted to play that role, so they were were just swapped. It's just so good. I love that. Yeah, that's Um, a funny funny concept. uh, One other thing I was going to say that I forgot about related to both of them is that one of my favorite sequences in this movie is the other sequence where they meet each other. And it's just like shot, reverse shot of Richard Gere looking at Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis looking at Richard Gere. Richard Gere looking at Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis looking at Richard Gere. Over and over and over and over again for probably 30 to 40 seconds. And I so want to like re-edit this movie and make the changes that I'm talking about, make it a lot more watchable, but then extend that sequence out to be like several minutes long just to, uh, just to see, you know, what people would do. That is interesting. Um, one of the other things that I, I noted about this movie that I had totally forgotten was, uh, Bruce Willis, um, seduces a, uh, I don't, I don't know if we're ever exactly told his title. It's like an aide of someone in Washington, D.C. Someone. Oh, Richard. Who, his name is Richard. I don't know what his title is. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what his title is. But um, it's a gay relationship. And that is like irrelevant to the actual plot. Uh, they could have easily, you know, that didn't have to be a guy. Um, I found it interesting and progressive that they decided to make that a gay relationship and not really comment on the fact that it's a gay relationship, just make it a relationship that he needed to seduce this guy in order to steal his parking pass or whatever. Yeah. 
I I really liked that. I thought that was a a very like like you said, it's a progressive thing to just not acknowledge it and be like, this yeah. is this is what is going on. <laughs> it's it's not weird or unusual. We're just gonna accept it as it is and like good good job. Uh, like a, like a lot of the stuff that that happens, Bruce Willis is doing things, and you're not exactly sure why. Why does he paint his van white? We don't know. And so this seduction thing goes on for a while, and you're kind of like, you know, why is he doing this? Why is he in this uh, club meeting this guy? Why are they trading information? You know, what, what's all going on here? Um, so I was kind of, you know, it, it was interesting to find out that, oh, it was just a regular, you know, classic tale as old as time seduce someone so you get their office so you can sneak in close to the White House and stuff, so... Yeah. That's a tale as old as time, huh? Yeah. I see, I see. Well, are you uh, ready to talk about old uh, Brucey boy? Uh, right after we do the other stuff, yeah. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. Well, the other stuff that we're going to work on is obviously our Star Trek connection. <laughs> So there uh, is a couple. One is Lisa Baines, who was a uh, a side character in a Star Trek Two Space Nine episode. Um, but the reason I wanted to call her out, she she plays uh, Doctor Ren Hall in a in a Deep Space Nine episode. But one of the things I found interesting was I don't know her role in the Jackal, if you look on her IMDb page, it just says thanks. And I did some Googling and I couldn't find any reference as to why she was thanked for the Jackal. Oh, um, weird. So yeah, I thought that was strange. It's her only thanks. It's just one, one thanks credit, uh, for the Jackal. So yeah. Interesting. I'm unsure as to what, uh, what was going on there. And then the other one I wanted to call out his name is Ian Ambercrombie, and he is um, he was on Star Trek Voyager and uh, The Next Generation, and I think that's it. And he also did a bunch of voice acting for like Star Wars, uh, the Clone Wars shows. He did a bunch. Of, he did voice acting for a bunch of other stuff. Um, his role in the Jekyll was he worked in the ADR group, so he did some of the background ADR. Hmm. Josh, tell me what uh, what kind of monetary impact did the Jackal have? So the Jackal, we uh, could call it the job maker because, in fact, it uh, did make a little bit of money in the box mm. office. So The job maker. The job maker. So it went in and uh, they spent $60 million in 1997 or 1996 or 1995, whenever they made this movie. And then in 97, their box office was 159.3 million. So wow. made a made a good chunk of change, made almost $100 million on this movie. So that is pretty good. Yeah. Obviously, they uh, try to make like over double, if at all possible. And this definitely did that. So yeah. Did a, they did a good job. It's a good investment. Even though the low ratings, this, you know, definitely solidifies Bruce Willis as kind of an action star. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm trying to think of like who, which star is like that now, where people will go and watch their movie just in droves, even if it's bad, just because of that star alone. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there are plenty. Um, it just depends on, you know, what your, uh, what your like level of, of quality is. Yeah, that's probably fair. You know, for some people, the Fast and Furious movies are bad, but Vin Diesel still draws a lot of people. Yeah. Although sometimes I think it's hard to tell when it's a franchise versus the uh, Mm. individual actors that's drawing it. Like, I wonder how many people, when they go see a Fast and Furious movie, are like, Vin Diesel's the reason why I watch these movies versus Mm. Mm. liking Mm -hmm. the, uh, maybe the universe or the types of stories that they tell or whatever. Have you seen any Fast and Furious movies? I have not. I have been fastless and chill. So. Uh, slow and chill? Slow and chill, yeah. <laughs> I was like, why did I say fastless? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I, yeah, I was like, uh, you're not going to go on a fast or anything? <laughs> uh, uh, no breakfast for you. Uh, uh, I just recently saw Fast 9, and it was good, good fun. I got to go back to a movie theater, so enjoyed it we're not uh we're not here doing a vin diesel podcast but if we were i tell you what it'd be a good time let's talk about bruce willis all right so i i teased it earlier but bruce willis to me definitely one of the weaker points of this movie and i think really like what we've been talking about is unsure of his motivation for the good chunk of the movie is really part of the problem if if bruce willis is supposed to be some some uh evil you know unstoppable killer uh it shouldn't take half a movie to figure that out mm-hmm. like th- we should have a little more menace we're also never told as to his motivation why he's doing any of this money obviously but it's just it's a lot of money and we're never really told uh you know what does he use that money for what does he want that money for there's some backstory hinted to um you know, Richard Gere's character. And that's kind of why they have like a personal vendetta for one another. But, um, yeah, it wasn't until the end where the, the kind of the evilness ramped up that I started to get into it a little more, but otherwise I found it very kind of rote and boring. What did you think? Bruce Willis? Yeah. I thought that his performance wasn't overly interesting or anything like that. I, I would have, uh, I, I didn't think that he was a, bad bad guy like when his menace was turned up to 11 i i thought that he was fairly watchable but i also i don't know he was fine he wasn't amazing or anything in this movie Mm -hmm. yeah one of the um other things i forgot to mention when we were talking earlier uh i this movie was novel to me because of the um geopolitical conflicts of the 90s that are we never really think about so like the ira being a big deal um the basque revolutions all those uh, other things that were going on that all these people were in jail for or or uh you know freedom fighters of that are, are things you never think or talk about right now mm-hmm. um, it's kind of a strange like flash blast from the past yeah, it was definitely very much a movie of its time in a lot of a lot of different ways. 
Interesting thing, I, I posted on our Twitter account about this. Uh, the movie's called The Jackal. The Jackal is Bruce Willis's assassin code name. Uh, jackals hunt in packs and eat carrion. So that doesn't strike me as like kind of the, you know, the wolf, lone wolf killer hunter that you would think of when you want to think of an assassin. Well, and they could have totally changed the name because apparently the original director of the first movie that this movie is based on um it's a french film called the day of the jackal apparently the director of it was like can you guys just use a different name please and then they're like (laughs) no (laughs) we're gonna use your name (laughs) okay (laughs) uh i did i did kind of find it enjoyable watching bruce willis change costumes a bunch so he goes through a whole bunch of different iterations a lot of this movie, I thought he had like a Steven Seagal look going on and not in like a flattering way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some of the costumes worked better than the other ones. I li- I think I liked gay Bruce Willis in the bar probably the mm-hmm. most with like the longer hair and mm-hmm. the like flowery shirt and everything. I like the Canadian Bruce Willis. Also, um, the Bruce Willis who's testing out that gun. Uh, where he kills Jack Black, he's wearing like tiny little sunglasses for some reason that I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, that was so ridiculous. Yeah. He just looks like Gennaro action villain in yeah. that one sequence. Yeah, he has like a turtleneck shirt and... And it's like tucked into his pants and... Yeah, yeah. yeah his jeans. And it's the most elaborate uh, sniper rifle system where you need like a whole laptop to lock on and shoot these depleted uranium oh yeah that was so ridiculous yeah uh okay so where would you rank this movie okay so this is our 25th uh brucey boy brucey boy film that we're gonna talk about yeah so i'm going to rate this movie at number 21 for me um, behind a color of night and above cosmic sin. I just don't think it's bad enough to be on the cosmic sin level or below, but it doesn't do anything that I found particularly interesting. Like color of night does to warrant putting it above that. So wow. 21 for me, it goes. All right. What about you? I am going to put it at number 16. So right below striking distance, right above mortal thoughts. Mm. Not really that much farther from you in the grand scheme of things, but yeah, that's within, within five. That's not far at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, Joshua, we've yes. come to that. We've come to that point in the evening. Oh, boy, have we. And I'm so excited because uh, we now have a little bit more variety because we got a couple of suggestions. Yeah. If you, listener, want to send us some suggestions for what we're about to do, well, I guess we should explain what we're about to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't you take that away, Kendrick? Go ahead and explain it. Uh, So we have a giant game show-esque wheel that Josh totes around with him wherever he goes. And on this wheel are suggestions. And this wheel is titled The Wheel of Willis. And a Wheel of Willis uh, gets spun, and we, we interact with that suggestion. 
based on this movie that we just watched. Uh, I think that pretty much sums it up. Wouldn't you say, Josh? I would say. I would say. Um, I think. Uh, yeah. 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 I just had to go ahead and add the other suggestions to the mo- to the wheel. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. No, I think I think you got everything there. Yeah, we have a lot. We have a lot of great suggestions. So I'm excited to, to see where this goes. I am too. I am too. All right. Are you ready? Do you know what we say every single time we're ready to spin the wheel of wheel of Willis? Every single time, we say the same thing when we spin the wheel of Willis, and that is. Whisk that, that wheel. wheel! All right, it has been whisked. All right, what do you think this Bruce Willis character's go-to joke is? Uh, hmm, that's a good one. We should have um, kept who submitted these so we would know where, where they came from. Oh, that would be good. Yeah. Uh, sorry, whoever submitted this, but uh, thanks for submitting it. <laughs> Go to joke. Um, I think. Uh, I think if he was to do one, especially when he was wearing the like action hero thing, he'd be like, "Knock, knock," and then they'd be like, "Who's there?" And then he would just shoot them. They'd be like, "Me." After they fall over, like I think that would be a. That'd be his go-to mm. joke. I don't know. I was thinking I was thinking something like where he goes to the gym and he's like, man, I'm about ready to get Jack Gold. Uh. Uh. All right. Okay. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> All right. Nice we'll see you guys ya. next week. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, I don't even know if I'm ever going to recover from that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I will. I don't know that I will. A-OK. A-OK. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of Where There's a Willis, There's a Way. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, we would love a review. If you don't listen on Apple Podcasts, it's not too late to give a review. Pop on over, leave a star rating, write a little, write a couple words. Also, you can feel free to follow us on social medias of your choice. Whether or not we exist there, you can still try to follow us. Willis Way Pod. You can email us at williswaypod.gmail.com and you can find our previous old episodes over at williswaypod.com. You can find me on Twitter at kmartinix. And you can find me on Twitter at Joshing Carter. We're going to start doing a new thing. Uh... I don't I don't have like a clever name for it. It would be funny if we could come up with some like Willisy thing. But basically we're gonna give you kind of a little recommendation here at the end of every podcast, kind of a little treat for listening to us. It's not it's not Bruce Willis related. It can be anything. It's it couldn't you know, it doesn't have to be movie or film related. It could be uh any little thing that we have enjoyed throughout the last week that we want you to check out. Uh so Josh. Do you have something for our audience members? Yes, I was going to shout out the podcast um, Prophetic Imagination Station. They do like a deconstructing of Adventures and Odyssey episodes where they'll look at it and go like, all right, well, you know, 
it's kind of interesting that they're trying to make it sound like the Bible is pro-America and pro-patriotic when that's not what the the Bible says at all. Uh, let's talk about how this is ridiculous and it has been such a breath of fresh air for me. I have really appreciated their podcast. So check out the Prophetic Imagination Station anywhere you can find podcasts. That is awesome. Uh, I've been meaning to listen to that. Uh, I've heard you talk about it. It's, it sounds cool. I want to give a shout out to something on Netflix. It is Bo Burnham's comedy special, Inside. He, If you're not familiar, Bo Burnham, the comedian... Uh, he's, he's done other comedy specials. He also did, uh, he wrote and was in several movies. He's been in, he's done a whole bunch of stuff, but he basically created a one man show over, uh, 2020 and did all the music and filming and editing and production and put it all together and it's on Netflix and I would highly recommend it. So that is Bo Murdom's Inside on Netflix. Oh Yeah. I would absolutely love to doubly recommend that. I have been listening to all of these songs on and off for these past couple of weeks, and I just, I love it so much. It's a great introspective look, and while not being like um, pandemic, 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 pandemic the entire time, it is one of those art pieces that will definitely be attached specifically to this time frame and about the insecurities and anxiety that I think a lot of people felt. And I loved how he was able to put that into comedic terms sometimes and introspective terms other times and just as filming and everything. It was extremely impressive. So consider this a double shout out for Bo Burnham's Inside. Awesome. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Where There's a Will, There's a Way. Tune in next time to listen to our discussion on Mercury Rising, another action movie. Excited to talk to you about that, Josh. Yeah, same here. Until then, uh, have a good week, and we'll see you guys later. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.